Sports Report. Jewish Film Fest unveils 26 films. The Madonna Painter turns the Chan into a church. Us and Them explores real-life drama. Vignetas del Mosaico spices up the dance center. Exploring a 15-year correspondence with Pierre in Trudeau stories. And 21st century relationships explored through dance at the Kulch. Plus free tickets and free beer to 30 Live. So stay with us. All right. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Arts Report for November the 10th uh, here on CITR 101.9 FM and uh, CITR.ca, where we are streaming live on the interwebs as well. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and... Um, on today's show, we've got uh, lots of lovely stories, but before we get started, uh, I have to clarify something from last week. Last week, I said that I would be on Canada AM on, on Thursday morning, but uh, sadly, I did not appear. So to anyone who woke up at 7 to, to see me on, uh, on CTV last week, I apologize for getting you up that early. Uh, what happened was they wanted... Uh, CTV called... The station and they wanted to get uh, university students slash arts slash BC perspective on Gordon Campbell resigning which happened last Wednesday and um, and so they said is there anyone at the station who might want to do that and I said well I'd love to do that and so we chatted for a few minutes and and uh, I ranted about politics as I often do for for a while and they said okay you're clearly somebody who could talk <laughs> on TV so uh, they called me back a few minutes later and they said um, they said we'd love to have you can you make it to the studio by 4 a.m which is 7 a.m um which is 7 a.m uh uh in eastern land and i said sure of course i'll i'll wake up at 3 at 3 30 in the morning and, and head over to the to the studio and then uh, after the show after i said uh you know check me out on tomorrow's canada a.m they uh they called me back and they said unfortunately we couldn't get a studio technician to get up that early and uh, connect you via satellite to Toronto. So unfortunately, you can't be on the show. So I, I died a little inside, but said that's that's all right. And they said they love to keep my name on uh, you know on their file and uh, perhaps use me some other time. So uh, tragedy there. Yeah, thumbs down and uh, sad face for that. But uh, it's always next time, I guess. Uh, another little quick note before we get going is I went to see Fuse on Friday, which happens three times a year at the Vancouver Art Gallery, and uh, basically is sort of an art gallery party. So they have uh, they bring out some some artists, some singers, some dancers, and and other performers to kind of spice up the gallery. Um, and as well invite you to come down and, and look at the exhibits. So you can check out the different art exhibits and also sort of party down with other people. And uh, I checked it out and I was blown away by one exhibit in particular called Song Dong, which means waste not. And uh, it was this artist and his mother who collaborated on basically a room full of junk. Now, before you say, oh, that's not art, I have junk in my basement too. Um, what this artist had done is collected everything that his mother was hoarding over her lifetime. And, and this is all explained in the exhibit how, how um, you know, it, it's a generational thing. You know, in earlier generations in China, people were very poor. And so they would hold on to everything, whether it was, you know, containers or fabric or anything that they came across, they would keep it because maybe it could be reused again at a later time. And so 
he explains, you know, it's explained in the exhibit that, that this sort of got worse when, when the artist's father died. Her husband uh, passed away. She became more of a hoarder. And, you know, times were, had improved and, and there was no need to be hoarding things, but she kept hoarding. And so this exhibit is kind of like an artfully displayed um, look at the collection of a person's life's worth of junk. And there's everything from styrofoam that comes with you know electronics you know those big blocks of styrofoam to bird cages to pots still filled with dirt all displayed in in the gallery to um cupboards filled with rolls of fabric to plastic bags a mountain of plastic bags that have each individually been wrapped into these these triangles to you name it um plastic bottles children's shoes children's toys and and just imagine a, a large sort of gym-sized room filled with this stuff. And, and it's really, you know, the end of it, it, it's really quite kind of touching because it really speaks to this person, this woman's life. Because, and you really get to see what she's, uh, what she's been through and, and sort of uh, the little artifacts of a person's life. So um, I definitely would check that out if I were you. All right. So on the show today, we will hear from... Um, we'll hear about the Madonna Painter, which is a play coming up here at UBC. And, um, and one of the leads, uh, Barbara Kozitsky, uh, will tell us about the show, but will also tell us about how she wrote a letter to Loblaws, which runs a superstore, about uh, shark fins, selling shark fin products, and how she actually managed to get the shark fin taken off, uh, taken out off the shelves of, um, of Loblaws stores. Uh, we'll also hear how Brooke Johnson uh, danced with Pierre Trudeau uh, when she was in university and admitted to him that she had toilet paper in her shoes. We'll find out what that means. And, of course, we'll give away tickets. We've got tickets to give away to Vignetas del Mosaico, which is a flamenco show that's coming up this weekend at the Dance Center. And we'd also like to give you two tickets to a rock show tomorrow. This is uh, 30 Live, which is Vancouver's newest live music series. And uh, we not only want to give you a pair of tickets, but we'd like to give you uh, some beer. So we'd like to get you a pair of beers, a beer for yourself and a beer for your guest for tomorrow night. And we'll give that away twice. So uh, four tickets and four beers. So stay with us for that. But first up on the show is a Jewish film festival. This year's Vancouver Jewish Film Festival is bringing 22 films from all over the world with a huge variety of topics from the Berlin Olympics in 1936 to a modern New York couple hatching a year-long breakup scheme. It started yesterday and will go on until November 18th, and I spoke with Robert Albanese, the festival's executive director, who revealed the theme of hope and redemption in this year's festival and gave us some more examples of this year's films. But I started by asking him how many films he's watched in putting together the festival program this year. I've seen, uh, oh, about 215, 220 at last count uh, to come up with the, the two dozen that uh, we're presenting at this year's festival. As far as the overriding factor, um, we decided to go for quality uh, as opposed to quantity. So I just let the, uh, the proverbial cream rise to the top, and uh, the most interesting stories uh, are the ones that uh, made the cut. Mm -hmm. And, um, and are you seeing any, any themes emerging or any common threads? 
I, I didn't approach it looking for particular themes. I, I really was approaching it uh, looking at the stories that are being brought forward. But, you know, when all was said and done, there definitely uh, seemed to be an overriding um, hope and redemption with a little bit of uh, Love Conquers All sprinkled in. <laughs> sprinkled in, for good measure. Um, can you give me some examples of, uh, of the films we'll see this year? Uh, our, our opening film on, uh, on the 9th is a, an Argentinian film called Anita, which uh, is fabulous, and I actually am rerunning. That is the only one that we're playing twice, and that's playing on Remembrance Day in the afternoon. Anita is the story of a, a young uh, woman with Down syndrome, and uh, she is just fabulous. She is an amazing actress. Uh, Alejandra Manzo uh, was nominated uh, by the Var Argentinian Film Academy for Best New Actress. I won't give away too much of that story. <laughs> Let's see. Great. Can you give us another another film? Uh, from France, He's My Girl. Um, it's, uh, a, a, again, another story about redemption. It's a, a klezmer musician who meets and falls in love with a transvestite Muslim man. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Black Over White covers uh, the Idan Rochel project, the Israeli's most famous musical export on a tour of Ethiopia. Two of their members are, are from Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. um, a wonderful film called Berlin 36, uh, the Olympics in 1936 in, in Berlin and uh, that story of, of an interesting friendship between competitors. Okay. Uh, the Beatle, fabulous comedy about uh, a, a young couple. Uh, he loves his Volkswagen Beetle, uh, but his wife is pregnant and uh, she's saying it's time to grow up and to get rid of that hunk of junk. <laughs> uh, and so he goes through an odyssey of uh, discovering the past owners of his beetle and wants to get it uh, overhauled and uh, travels at great lengths to have that done. That's from Israel, the beetle. Mm -hmm. And uh, can I ask you, um, are there any opening or closing galas, any other sort of events that aren't film related? Well, we have, of course, uh, our opening gala on Tuesday the 9th, uh, the film at 7 o'clock with Anita is followed with a, a reception uh, just behind the Oak Ridge Mall at the Parrot Center. It'll be a, you know, a, a bubbly a wine and a dessert uh, with some entertainment thrown in by recording artist Harriet Frost and uh, Juno nominee Jim Woodyard. We also have a, a panel of professionals uh, for the second screening of Anita. Um, Dealing with you know the the Down syndrome uh, association, people will be there. We have a, a psychiatrist. We're hoping we will have families w with children that are coming. We have uh, the director and writer and actor of uh, Breaking Upwards, uh, a wonderful comedy slash drama. Uh, Breaking Upwards was shot in New York. And uh, Daryl Ween, the director, the film won uh, Best Film at the uh, uh, Brooklyn International Film Festival. Great. Uh, we have uh, our closing film, Saviors in the Night, on, on the 18th. We have a wrap party at the Ridge with, uh, with wine. And Saviors in the Night, by the way, was shortlisted by uh, the German Film Academy as their pick for the 2010 Oscar nomination for foreign language film. Great. Well, it sounds very good. Thanks for uh, telling us about it. My pleasure, Adam. 
And that was Robert Albany, the executive director of the Vancouver Jewish Film Festival. Uh, that film, Anita, which uh, premiered the other day on Tuesday, will be playing again uh, tomorrow on Thursday. And the festival itself runs until the 18th. And uh, there are three venues, including the Ridge uh, Theater. And you can find out more information on all that uh, locations and the individual. You can read up on the individual films and get tickets for them and see them and all that good stuff at www.vjff.org. Or just go to our website, citr.ca, and there you will find uh, links and information about all of the features that we are doing on the show today. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll talk about The Madonna Painter, a play about small-town life, small life in Quebec. And, uh, and we'll also, later in the show, be giving away tickets to uh, 30 Live featuring uh, Vespertine, and we'll give you tickets as well as a free beer. So stay with us. CITR's Fun Drive 2010 is coming. November 16th to the 25th, we need you to dig deep and donate to help keep your campus radio station going. For just a $30 pledge, we will announce your name on the air. And you'll get a valuable Friends of CITR card full of great discounts to lots of your favorite Vancouver merchants. CITR Fun Drive 2010, November 16th to 25th. Visit citr.ca to learn more. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. The year is 1918, and a young priest in a small Quebec town attempts to stop a flu epidemic with a painting of the Virgin Mary. So, he commissions an artist to find four local girls and create the work. The artist requires a virgin, but somehow manages to do everything in his power to render his choice otherwise. You see, you see, what, I'm, you see what I mean there? UBC Theatre's The Madonna Painter, a sizzling drama about sex, religion, and small-town life, is coming to the Chan Centre this week. And I spoke to Barbara Kozitsky, who plays one of the potential Marys. Barbara is finishing her last year at UBC, and amongst many accolades she's received for her acting roles over the years, she has recently received the Developing Artist Award for English Language Theatre, which includes a not-too-shabby $10,000 prize. We spoke about the play, as well as how she is saving the world. But first, I asked uh, Barbara about who she plays in The Madonna Painter. I'm playing Mary Frances. Um, she's one of the village girls. Uh, I think she's probably the, the most fiery of the, the girls in this show. Um, maybe the one with the most modern sensibilities. Like, she's a little bit more interested in actively searching out a man, a husband. Um, she's a little bit more brazen with uh, the things that she does. She's a mm. little firecracker. Okay. And give us a sense of, uh, like, the style of the show. Is it a, is it a comedy? No. No, it's not. It, it has some comedic elements, obviously, but because um, you can't be all drudge and jury. But I would say it, uh, there's no filler in this show. You know, it's only an hour and a half, but it goes basically from action, 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 the high stakes, and moves you forward very quickly. And tell me a bit about the, like, production. Give us a sense of what, what does it look like? Ooh, a church. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like a church. Um, there are actually pews in the audience that you get to sit in. Wow. Yeah, so it's, um, I guess it's not based strictly in realism. Like, we have sort of a, um, a blank s stage. Well, there's, there are risers to the stage, so different levels denote where we are. And we've got very minimal set pieces. Mm -hmm. So lighting and our position on the stage help create the scene as opposed to, like, 
you know, bringing in a lot of fake trees to create a forest or anything. Okay. Tell me about uh, some of the challenges of, of putting this show together. Like, it takes place in 1918. Yeah. And it's in Quebec. Yeah. How is it, uh, you know, how is it relevant to um, a Vancouver audience in 2010? Well, it deals a lot with faith. With faith and religion and then the the battles that people have within themselves because a lot of people their values are questioned in this or put to the test mm -hmm. um, faith is also another big thing in it I think that's that's kind of relevant nowadays when a lot of people are you know there's still so much religious strife that goes on but there's a lot of people who are choosing not to have religion be part of their lives they're more interested in spirituality mm. so I think I think that kind of thing is is always relevant. Mm. Now you're also an award-winning actor. <laughs> yes. Tell us about the award that you've won. I was um, honored with the Natitian Foundation Developing Artist Grant this summer, which uh, was developed by the late Governor General Ray Natitian. So one award is given out per category to um, promising young artists in Canada, mm -hmm. and I won the one for English-speaking theater. Mm. Now, if you were to be so bold as to um, speak to why you won, <laughs> why do you think what went into them well, ultimately choosing you? Um, well, they have a jury selection. So first of all, you're selected by your um, secondary institution. So all across Canada, qualifying schools uh, nominated uh, one actor, and then I had to put two scenes on tape, and that was sent to a jury, and they adjudicated all the entries. So they, they picked me. And why do you think that was? Well, they actually kind of told me. So they said that it was based in um, uh, my physicality and how I was able to embody the characters physically, um, had a high degree of watchability mm. um, and, and subtlety, and, and uh, I, that I'm an engaging actor. I was asking you before the interview about, um, you know, are you going to go to Disneyland now that you, you've won the award? And, and um, you mentioned that, that you have concerns or, or you're devoted to things uh, much, much outside just the acting world. Oh, yes. Do you want to yeah. speak to that a little? Well, yeah, I, um, I want to help save the world, you know, change it for the better. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, uh, I think Gandhi said it right when he's like, you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to, to be active in environmental issues, uh, you know, like write letters you know to about causes that matter to me mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm very concerned about the oceans and the state of the oceans mm -hmm. so I'm proud to say that I um, I facilitated shark fin being pulled from the entire Loblaw change chain right. so that's Loblaw Superstore TNT market and uh, I want to help clean up that and you did that just by writing a letter I just wrote one letter to Loblaw and said you know this product is unethical and this is why and I want you to tell me why you're selling it Wow. And then they wrote back and, and they pulled it. Do you think uh, that in a sort of ironic way that uh, in today's society an actor actually has quite a bit of clout? I, I think so because you, you, um, you have this unique platform to inspire and educate. Once people start watching you and kind of know who you are, they, they become more interested in that. And, you know, we see stars being part of the UN and being the face of many causes. And I think that's fantastic. I don't, I don't have it in me to be a politician, so <laughs> this is the next best way that I can reach people. Great. Thanks very much for being here. Oh, thank you. And that was Barbara Kozitsky, um, who is uh, featured in The Madonna Painter, which is going to be in the TELUS studio at the Chan Center for the Performing Arts. Opening night is tomorrow, Thursday, November 11th. Begins at uh, 7.30, 7.30 start time. And we'll be running until the 20th. Tickets are regular $22, senior 15, student 10. It's a good deal for students. $10 tickets for uh, students. 
And uh, youth un 16 and under, 16 and under uh, can get in for two bucks. So that's a, that's a steal of a deal. Uh, there's also another deal I can tell you about on uh, tonight. Tonight, November 10th, you can see the preview for $6. And you can find out uh, more information uh, by going to theater.ubc.ca or to our website at citr.ca, and you can get information on the Madonna Painter as well as all the other features we have on the show and uh, click links directly from our webpage that will take you to uh, all of these lovely shows and events coming up. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, after we return, we will talk about... Um, Vignetas uh, de, del Mosaico, which is a flamenco show, and find out uh, about that. Uh, we'll give tickets away to that one, so stay tuned for that, as well as we'll find out about Us and Them, The Inquiry, which is an interactive evening of sort of theater, except there's no actors, there's uh, just the people in the audience, and they share their stories and, um, and explore... Um, explore issues so we'll find out what the heck that means uh, as well as uh, a dance a double bill at the Kulch going on that uh, is called Hero and Heroine and Audible and uh, Audible explores uh, modern communication so things like Facebooking texting and tweeting and how that uh, what effect that has on relationships this uh, in this modern time and uh, all of that explored through dance. We'll find out how you can explore those issues through movement. And, uh, and we'll give you those tickets and beers to Vespertine as well as other performers at 30 Live uh, to tomorrow night. So stay with us. Bond. James Bond. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? You talking to me? You talking to me? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania where else can you see Hollywood blockbusters, midnight cult classics, indie films, live music, burlesque, stand-up comedy, poetry slams, and live sporting events all at your local theater? The Rio Theater voted number one in East Vancouver, your neighborhood indie theater that promotes all things cool. Don't miss Paranormal Activity from October 22nd to November 4th and then Jackass 3D from November 6th to November 12th. For more information, go to riotheater.ca. A unique show is coming to the Scotiabank Dance Center this weekend. It's called Vignetas del Mosaico, and it features a dozen scenes, vignettes, or vignetas, if you will, exemplifying the fusion of flamenco with other cultures. It's all inspired by a legendary flamenco bar in 19th century Spain called Café de Chinitas, literally Little Chinese Café, famous for embracing a lot of the diverse flavors that came through the port town, of Malaga and creating new kinds of flamenco fusion. Now, Cassandra Lachina is a co-artistic director of Mosaico Flamenco, and we talked about how the formal elegance of flamenco fuses with Kiss by Prince. That's right, they're going to fuse flamenco with 
prints. But first, we talked about the roots of this cafe, the Chinitas, uh, back in 19th century Spain. And I asked uh, Cassandra if it had to do with how this town, Malaga, was um, a port, a port city with many international connections. Yeah, that's right. So they would receive uh, shipments from Asia. And uh, as a result, there were a lot of um, Filipinos actually living there at the time because of uh, it, the Philippines was a Spanish colony. And so in, in anybody that's been to Spain, it's pretty homogeneous country. And so anybody that's actually Asian, they call Chinita. Oh, okay. So you could be Chinese or Japanese or Filipino or whatever. And if you were a cute Asian girl, they would just call you Chinita. Okay. <laughs> and so they would call it Cafe de Chinitas because all of the Filipinas would go there. And so it was a place where, not un, unsimilar to the Kino Cafe there on Cambi and uh, 18th, it was like a flamenco tablao. So it was sort of a club where all the flamenco people would congregate. So the singers and guitarists and the, and the uh, dancers would perform there. And then all the people in the neighborhood would go and watch the show. And it just so happened that the Filipino ladies would actually go there to hang out as well. Mm-hmm. So we've taken that original concept and we've extended it a little bit further to reflect the Canadian experience. But Café de Chinitas, um, the little Chinese cafe as it is in Vancouver, our dance company has now 18 different dancers in this show and all of our ethnic backgrounds are quite varied. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Spanish, Mexican, German, English, Chinese, uh, Filipino, Iraqi uh, <laughs> dancers in our show, and so it kind of reflects the Canadian experience. So we kind of transport the idea of Cafe de Chinitas and extend it even multiculturally a little bit further to ref- reflect the Vancouver experience. And tell me, how does that uh, how does that play out in terms of, of the dance? You say it's sort of uh, it, it's it's been adapted uh, a little bit to reflect the Canadian um, sensibilities. So uh, how does that play out on on the stage? Well, the thing is, we are uh, pure flamenco dancers, actually. Mm-hmm. Our uh, dance academy, Almo Cycle Flamenco Dance Academy, um, we primarily focus on flamenco as an art form. And um, we are dancing pure flamenco in our numbers, but the main difference is we're trying to show multicultural uh, flavors and colors in our show through the costume and mm-hmm. also the music that we are choosing. So um, in the show, Vignettas del Mosaico, we have a dozen different uh, pieces ranging from pure flamenco uh, by Miguel Povera, like a solea, all the way to Prince's Kiss, all the way to classical music and classical genre, to Concha Buica was just here on the weekend uh, on Sunday night performing, and uh, we've choreographed one of her pieces mm-hmm. uh, in our show. So we're trying to choose a mosaic of different music settings, yep. and as a result, trying to choreograph different aesthetics to different types of music. And is that difficult? Because flamenco strikes me as something that's very, dare I say, rigid or, or very kind of structured. Um, is it easy to choreograph it to say uh, a Prince song? Uh, well, it's musicianship in <laughs> the end. Um, when we talk about flamenco, 
real true flamenco is actually a cuadro, so it only comprises of four people, which is a dancer, a singer, a guitarist, and somebody doing palmas or the hand clapping. Mm -hmm. But what is great about this particular show is that we are able to uh, choreograph to pre-recorded music, which lends itself to a, opening up a whole different uh, realm of the imagination. Oh, okay. So we can choreograph and say traditional flamenco style or we can choreograph classically with the castanet or we can use um we've we've used recorded music by vancouver's orchid ensemble so we were able to play around with the the chinese sounds as well so we're allowed to play around uh, quite a bit more imaginatively with the pre-recorded music and i guess what is unique about this show is we have a dozen different very very different pieces of music which means we can choreograph 12 different ways wow yeah so we have it's a very colorful show with uh, a manton which is a large embroidered shawl we have a couple of fan numbers so we have um you know five girls dressed up in chinese chongsams <laughs> dancing with flamenco fans <laughs> which is very neat because that's to a piece called lantern riddles by the orchid ensemble and then we have uh, the long train bata de cola we have the castanets a couple of times we have a girl dancing with a Sevillan sombrero and a male flamenco dancer also uh, in his caballero costume, so it's it's a really fast-moving show, and in 65 minutes, people are going to see a lot of different flamenco genre. And that was Cassandra Lachina uh, t telling us about an event that's very much like uh, flamenco tapas. All right, after that interview, Cassandra explained to me how uh, the culture of flamenco and flamenco dancers um, has been and continues to be full of prejudices. Uh, because it was started by gypsies, or the Roma people, as uh, they like to be called now, it was looked down on by mainstream Spanish, Spanish culture, for one, and then today it's, um, it's still not a very welcoming community, uh, which makes it all the more important that uh, Mosaico Flamenco is taking a stand um, to embrace all different cultures and races into flamenco, which the flamenco community is kind of hesitant uh, to do. Um, so Cassandra is taking a stand and bringing Canadian-style multiculturalism to flamenco more than just, you know, putting on a show. There's, um, there's some purpose going on behind this as well that I thought I would add. Um, if you want to know more about that, that angle of it, the, the sort of um, the cultural, racial aspect of this uh, topic, um, Cassandra did... Uh, an article with, or she did, she was interviewed for a story in the Burnaby Now, which is out right now. And you can find that on our website, citr.ca. There is a link there to the article, and you can get a, a little bit more information on that. If you want to check out the show, then you can go to the Scotiabank Dance Center. Uh, the show will be on November 12th, 13th, and 14th at 7.30 p.m. 7.30 start times, a lot of those uh, on tonight's show, 7.30 p.m. And uh, there's also a 2 p.m. matinee on Sunday, November the 14th. So this is Friday, Saturday, Sunday that, uh, that Vignetas del Mosaico is running. Tickets are $21 for seniors and students and $25 for uh, adults. Uh, tickets are available at ticketstonight.ca. 
Uh, and as, as I've been uh, repeating incessantly, you can go to CITR.ca and uh, get links to, um, to get tickets as well. Speaking of tickets, uh, instead of uh, buying them, why don't uh, we give you a pair? We'd like to give you uh, two tickets to see Vignetas del Mosaico uh, this weekend, either uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Uh, a reminder, it's on at 7.30 p.m. those three nights, as well as a 2 p.m. matinee on Sunday, November 14th. So now is the time uh, to call if you want those tickets. The number is 604-822-2487 to get two tickets to Vignetas del Mosaico. That's 604 604- Eight two 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 four eight seven. So we're going to take a short break and give away those tickets. And when we uh, return, we'll tell you about us and them. And uh, and we'll also still have to give away uh, two tickets and two beers uh, for Thirty Live. So stay with us. Vancouver is a diverse city, and that's why CITR is committed to multicultural programming. We feature music from all over the world. Ethiopia, India, France, Africa, Latin America, Russia, Iran, Jamaica, Italy, and Japan. And we don't only broadcast in English. We broadcast in a number of other languages. Pour sûr, il y aura une programmation multiculturelle à Vancouver. Supportez CITR maintenant. Appelez au 604-822-8648. 604-UBC-UNIT. Ou donnez en ligne à citr.ca slash donate. Help ensure that there will be multicultural programming in Vancouver. Support CITR now. Call 604-822-8648. 604-UBC-UNIT or donate securely online at citr.ca slash donate. CITR Fund Drive 2010, November 16th to 25th. Visit citr.ca to learn more. Hey, you're listening to The Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and uh, we're about uh, at halftime, which is a good time to remind you that if you missed any of... uh, earlier portions of our program you can get it in the podcast and that's at citr.ca there's a post for today's uh, show and there's a link for you to be able to subscribe to the show so that way whether you are listening in your car or at home or anywhere else on wednesday at five or not you can still get um arts coverage in your inbox so do subscribe if you haven't um already um okay so Next, we have Us and Them, The Inquiry. It's an intimate evening of interactive slash participatory theater where audiences get to become part of the performance and explore the question, why do we create divisions between us and other people? There are no actors and there's no script. Instead, theatrical techniques are used to explore stories brought to the fore by members of the audience themselves. Us and Them has been running in several different venues around town since October the 22nd and will continue uh, tonight and throughout November. I spoke to artistic director and co-founder of Headlines Theatre, David Diamond, about this unique application of theatre and what results he's seeing so far. And my first question to David was, how is Us and Them different from a typical play? Well, this particular project, Us and Them, is even uh, more not typical than Headline's normal work. 
Um, in Us and Them, there really is no play. There's no actors. There's no script. There's just me and a group of people each night in very different venues using the language of the theater to explore our desires and our fears around the creation of the other. Why is it that humanity needs to create the other? Mm -hmm. And when do we figure out that there's really only us here? So if there's, if there's no actors, how does that play out? How does that work? Do the, uh, do the people in the audience, is it more like a panel discussion? No, no, no. Uh, we're using the language of the theater, and everything comes out of the audience each night. And so each night I'll ask for people to offer stories out of their own lives, uh, their own real lives. The room will choose one story. Mm. It's a story of either when a person was turned into the other or that person turned somebody else into the other. The stories have been sometimes very simple and it's the simplest stories, you know, that are the most profound sometimes. Mm -hmm. now, Somebody else from the audience comes to play that other, the, the other person. We're not there to do a psychoanalysis <laughs> of the storyteller. We're there to make theater. Mm -hmm. Once we put the moment on the stage, we can then delve into the two characters mm -hmm. and turn the internal fears and desires of the characters into characters on the stage that yet other people from the audience end up playing. Mm -hmm. So we people the stage with the fears and desires of both characters, mm -hmm. and through improvisational work, we can peel the layers of complexity away from what starts off as a as a real moment, but has become a symbol that the whole room owns. Can you give us an example from a recent show? Because uh, you've been sort of uh, touring around Vancouver with this, this project. So yeah. I wonder if you could give us a, a sort of an example. A few nights ago, we did one at the downtown Eastside neighborhood house that I think was very radical. And the reason it was radical was the story came from a young woman who had been demonstrating against the Olympics. And the moment was be between her and a police officer. Um, the plan has been that the whole thing will be nonviolent, and then it starts to get kind of out of con uh, Other people start to, you know, destroy mm -hmm. property and stuff, and she gets all heated up, and uh, she gets confronted by a police officer, and she starts to really push back, and he pushes her to the ground. Mm -hmm. And it's this moment when he pushes her to the ground that we end up exploring. The police officer ends up being played by a man who was a police officer <laughs> wow. in South Africa during apartheid. Wow. And so because, you know, it, whatever the story is, we're there to honor both sides of the story. We're not there to demonize any one side of the story. Right. And, and so from that, what, do you, what are you seeing that comes out of that? Or what do you hope at the end of, of Us and Them that people walk away from it? With. Well, in this evening, there were a number of people who do, you know, I've been to my fair share of demonstrations in my day, <laughs> you know, uh, and so there are a number of, of uh, younger generation people now who are really spearheading those battles, and they loved this, and what they loved about it is they, they themselves said, you know, in these moments, we don't ever try to think about the human being in the uniform. And what that person is actually thinking and feeling in these moments. And if we do, if we did that, our tactics might change. Right. So there's a, there's a dehumanization that, that happens in the moment. And, and what you're hoping is to kind of... 
put the humanity back into these these people in these situations? Because if we could actually really figure out that there is only ever us here, what kind of systems and structures would grow out of us that would truly transform the world? What do you see this being more effective than, say, being in a protest or, or another form of, of action? Where do you see uh, this kind of theatrical-based work uh, being perhaps more successful? Or, or Well, you know, humans think in metaphor. Mm -hmm. We don't think in words. We think in pictures. And the theater is a metaphoric language. I actually don't think the transformation happens from our intellect. It happens from our hearts. Mm. Oh, uh, all right. That was the end of that one. So Us and Them uh, is actually playing uh, tonight and um, through the month of November. The, tonight's the show is on, sorry, is at Calabash Bistro, which is on Carroll Street. Carroll or Corral? A lot of people pronounce it differently. Cab drivers tell me that people pronounce it differently, so it's not just me. Um, food and beverages are available. Then tomorrow they're at the Unitarian Church of Vancouver, which is on West 49th Avenue. There's also on the th Saturday the 13th at the Interurban Gallery on East Hastings Street. On Thursday the 18th, the Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Centre. And at, uh, at PL 1222, um, there's two shows on Friday and Saturday on the 19th and the 20th. That's at uh, William Street, 1422 William Street in Vancouver. That's being put on by New World uh, Theatre. That's their sort of home base, PL 1222. And there's a, <coughs> excuse me, one more show on Sunday the 21st at Café de Soleil on Commercial Drive. So, yeah, tons of opportunities to get involved in us and them. And thanks to David Diamond for that that interview. All right. Um, now we'd like to give you tickets. Now is the time. We'd like to give you two tickets to 30 Live. So 30 Live is, um, is a live music series that happens on Granville Street at the Forum, which is 1163. It's about uh, Nelson, Nelson Granville and Nelson Street. And uh, they do a music series that promotes uh, local Vancouver bands. And so tomorrow night there will be three artists featured, including Timothy, Vespertine and Crossing Lions. And we have a very special promotion for you, which is that not only will we give you two tickets, but we'd also like to give you two beers so that two people can go and have a beer each for free. So we'd like to uh, give that uh, to you now. Here's, uh, here's a little bit of uh, Vespertine. This song is called Sleeping Hard. And you know what? Uh, I'm feeling generous. Why don't we give away two sets of tickets? So two sets of tickets and beers so uh, and that's for tomorrow night uh, it, doors open at 8.30 bands come on I think somewhere at 10 I've been to some of these 30 lives and they have been uh, good fun a lot of um, a lot of people come out and uh, mosh and dance hard and uh, and it's not a bad place to, to have a drink as well so uh, come by and have a drink for free let me give you the number how about that <laughs> people are like how do I call in I want these tickets uh, it's 604-822-2487 that's six zero four eight two 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 four eight seven. And so uh, we'll take a break for that and let you listen to Sleeping Hard by Vespertine.
could be Until you know there are corners That we have yet to see Oh, our felt effects Of what wishful hope can get No matter how many times I see the road winds I always will expect I'll be Slipping on the upper side of the bed And my head is piling like it always can I'm freaking out now, tell me why won't you leave At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. A pair of dance pieces premiered last night at the Cults. One of them, Audible, by Josh Martin, deals with our frenzied world of social media, texting, and instant digital communication. It combines multiple dance styles uh, to explore some very relevant issues like data addiction, friending, and online voyeurism. The other show, Hero and Heroine, by Amber Barton, compares and contrasts the shifting roles of a man and a woman in a relationship, how each partner supports and challenges the other. So I spoke to the two collaborators of this double bill, playing now at The Colch, that's uh, Josh Martin and Amber Barton, and uh, we talked about how these complex themes that I just listed actually translate into dance. So first up, here's Josh Martin explaining what Audible is all about. Um, Audible is a collaborative piece by uh, Shea Kubler, Lisa Jelly, and myself, Josh Martin. And uh, it's basically uh, an excerpt from a longer piece that we did back in 2009, um, sort of exploring different themes of uh, technology and connecting and disconnecting through that technology. Um, so it's basically a piece that we wanted to create that sort of uh, looked at the different ways of people trying to connect in today's um, hyper-connected world um, and comparing that to face-to-face -face interactions and um, more real interactions, I guess I would say. And, and how does that come about in the dance? In the dance, we wanted to explore um, a physicality with the movement that sort of created this awkward and quirky and... Uh, and really abrupt movement. We ended up with really, uh, I guess you would say, athletic movement in that mm -hmm. we would sort of have the dancers um, colliding and impacting with one another, but not necessarily connecting like in a, mm. in a gentle way or in an intimate way. It's much more of a very um, reckless way. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to, to kind of take the idea of uh, emailing or Facebooking or all these online connections mm -hmm and sort of give them a very physical presence on stage of, of how we were interpreting that, you know, all the different um, awkwardness that comes along with that, and at the same time the invulnerability that comes along with that too, because I guess what we're trying to look at is if you're talking through a computer screen, if you're connecting through this box, mm -hmm. you kind of have this safety net in front of you, and, and so we're trying to take that 
um, and, and I'll add that into the movement. Let me ask Amber the same questions. Uh, so from my point of view, uh, Hero and Heroine is a duet I made for Josh Martin and myself. And it basically, um, I kind of wanted to create this surreal pod or this surreal world where you don't know if it's real or a dream or imagined or reality. And it's um, this man and a woman. And basically it's um, a long-term relationship characterized to the most um, craziest degree where they're working as allies but they're also against each other but they're also fighting the space that surrounds them and um, I wanted to physically challenge what it means for a duet to happen with a man and a woman and there's some things that are obvious but then also challenge what that physicality is of a man and woman on stage. Cool and tell me how, how do you do that? How does that happen? Uh, <laughs> that challenge? <laughs> there's some things you have to just accept right like a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Mm -hmm. um, Josh is tall I am short. He's obviously physically stronger than me and I am a tiny bit weaker. <laughs> <laughs> so how can I challenge that so it's not always romantic like that is obvious with the man and woman on stage. Mm -hmm. um, does the man always have to lift the woman and vice versa? Uh, does the woman always have to kind of surrender? Um, all those kind of different things. So I would just kind of question everything that would be obvious. For example, sometimes I would create a phrase and then be like, okay, now I want to switch roles instead of me lifting, Josh should lift it or I should be held instead of Josh being held. So always kind of switching back and forth. So what happens is in the creation of the piece, you don't know really who's in control or mm -hmm. who's in charge. Or just as you, soon as you think you know who's in charge, it switches um, like a sneak attack. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, so I understand that you know you guys collaborate and there's a sort of partnership between you guys uh, literally <laughs> on the dance yeah. floor but um, I'm just thinking in terms of the, the pieces do you see any any similarity any you know thematic um, connection uh, with both of the pieces mm -hmm. on behalf of myself I would say that there's the theme of connection whether it actually does connect or there is no connection like a disconnect Mm -hmm. um, and whether it's literal or just a really broad, gross generalization of it. I think both pieces um, deal with that, with uh, humans struggling to connect or wanting to connect, mm -hmm. that desire to have contact. And I, from my personal perspective, I think that's what um, both pieces are kind of similar. Um, both pieces of physicality or the, the feeling is very different, but they both have this theme of uh, connection. And uh, that's from my personal standpoint uh, of how the show relates together. All right. And that was Josh Martin and Amber Barton talking about Audible and Hero and Heroine. So you can see, I, I saw the show last night. Last night was the was the opening night, and uh, I must say, I really, I really enjoyed it in a way that I that I didn't expect. That is to say, on the bus ride home, I was just kind of like, just kind of smiling, and, and and I'm like, am I in a manic state? Am I manic depressive? <laughs> this is a manic state, or oh no, wait, that was just a good show. Um, and definitely, uh, for me, the most interesting moments were the the kind of twitchy, jerky motions that, uh, that Josh talked about. Um, there's one scene in Hero and Heroine, which features uh, Josh Martin and Amber Barton, where the, it, it sort of resembles like a couple in bed, and, um, and the woman is sort of sitting up, and she's kind, of, she's kind of uncomfortable, she's kind of disengaged, and meanwhile, the man is asleep, and he's tossing and turning and twitching the way that somebody does in their sleep, and just the way that that 
twitching was kind of turned into a, a dance was really interesting and quirky. And there were a few audible sort of gasps and little little laughs where it's like, wow, they've really they've really caught it. You know, they've caught the weirdness of um, of that in sleep. And so, so yeah, so uh, I definitely recommend that. And it's running until the thirteenth. So uh, today. Uh, today until the 13th, uh, and it starts at 8 p.m., and single tickets are 15 to $45, I guess, depending on where you're sitting in the lovely Kulch. And you can go to tickets.thekulch.com or just go to citr.ca where we have information on all of the features on today's show, whether you caught them or not. Um, and, of course, if you didn't catch some of the show, you can get the podcast. There's a link also at citr.ca where you can get uh, the latest uh, Arts Report podcast. Uh, the one of this show will go up in a couple of hours, and it will be available to see from start to finish. All right, we've got one more story before we head off. We're going to squeeze one in before 6 o'clock. Um, ten years after his death, Pierre Elliott Trudeau is still strongly remembered. Uh, and is the most loved as well as the most hated past prime minister, according to polls. Probably not by the same people, unless they're manic-depressive, and then they might love him and hate him at the same time. Toronto actor Brooke Johnson knew the man for 15 years and now has created a one-woman show called Trudeau Stories, playing at the Presentation House Theatre in North Vancouver. I spoke to Brooke about how she met the former prime minister and how putting together the play has helped her grieve uh, his death in, in 2000, and how he, was, how he was different in person compared to his uh, boisterous um, confrontational public persona. So here's Brooke explaining the fateful night in university when she met Pierre Elliott Trudeau. I was a theatre school student at the National Theatre School of Canada in Montreal, and uh, in my second year in 1985... And I was the student representative on the Board of Governors. So uh, there was this big gala happening, which was the 25th anniversary of the beginning of the school. Mm -hmm. And I got to go to this big gala where all the big mucky mucks were going and, and alumni and, um, you know, politicians in the cultural part of gov government. And th the school had invited um, Pierre Trudeau as an honorary guest. He was a a uh, year and a half, I guess, out of uh, Ottawa, and he was working in Montreal at Hain and Blakey Law Firm, and he and he uh, he accepted the invitation. So uh, I didn't have any kind of fancy clothes. I had no gala type outfit. So I borrowed a dress from a girl in third year, uh, which fit nicely, and uh, grabbed a pair of shoes to go with it. But when I got to the school that night. Um, and I put the shoes on, and I found that they were, like, two sizes at least, too big. So so I had to stuff toilet paper in the shoes and in order to keep them on my feet. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was a pretty awkward uh, uh, damsel at, at this gala, and uh, he kind of saw me right away <laughs> with his, uh, his uh, antenna for young women. And, uh, <laughs> and he asked me if I would dance with him after the dinner. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wow. well, <laughs> when the time came and he kind of dragged me onto the dance floor, I, I, uh, I had to confess that uh, I had toilet paper in my shoes because <laughs> they were too big. And uh, that kind of started us off on a good foot, right. so to speak. And, uh, and um, I think he appreciated my candor and my awkward goofiness. And, um, and so we just actually started to chat. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so now, it was not so much dancing as it was talking. Right. So I wonder then, how do you go from that uh, that awkward moment on the dance floor to uh, a play? Well, the play play came um, at least well twenty years later mm-hmm. from that time. Twenty two years later, actually. Uh, Trudeau died in two thousand and in two thousand rather, and um, when he died, because we. Uh, We'd become friends, you know. We um, went for lunches and walks and the odd dinner and stuff like that, and um, over the years, and then wrote letters and stuff like that. So, in the later part of the '90s, I really didn't have much contact with him. Mm-hmm. I was busy with my own life, you know, in Toronto and and career and all that stuff, and I didn't keep in touch uh, much. And um, it was quite a shock to me when he died. I uh, had no idea he was that sick and um, regretted a great deal. And uh, a few le- years after that, I started putting together all these memories. Hmm. Like right away, I started, I, I found these old boxes that had journals in them and stuff like that that I'd written on. Um, paper placemats and napkins and things like that. Hmm. And, um, and I started to remember all this stuff that I'd totally forgotten about. And I kind of wanted to, you know, in a way, I, I wanted that time back. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to relive it, in a way. Mm-hmm. And so writing was a way of doing that. And it was also a way of my actually expressing my grief. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, was, it wasn't a public friendship in any way. It was a private friendship and and so when the whole nation was grieving about the passing of Trudeau in, in September of 2000 I didn't I wasn't public about it I just I, can't, I couldn't like say oh oh he was my friend you know like it just didn't it just didn't work so I, I kept it all bottled up inside and and writing is a good way to deal with that kind of thing but the show itself is, is actually quite funny is that right yes it is um well, the, you know, and then the humor comes from recognition of the awkwardness of being in that position of meeting this man in the first place. And also, he had a, a wonderful sense of humor, very dry sense of humor and, um, and and remembrance, you know. it's Actually, it's a really great uh, play about remembering. Mm-hmm. And what if is... I may w- say great play, but I mean, <laughs> experience is what I mean. Like, for me and, f- and for... Um, the audience we often have good chats afterwards you know people have their stories that they want to tell too so it's it's connecting in that way too mm-hmm. as a, you know as a as a solo play like i thought it would be really difficult to and and lonely to mm-hmm. uh do this one person show and i've done a, a fair number of these performances and it's not lonely at all once i get out it's lonely in the dressing room but it's not <laughs> on stage because the audience is uh is right there and they're remembering with me. Um, what is one way that that people seeing the show might, you know, something that they might learn about uh, Pierre Trudeau or a side of him that they might not know from, you know, the media? Oh gosh, yeah, he was very, very shy, um, very introspective, very quiet. He spoke very quietly. Uh, he was very curious. 
So that's you know one of the things in the play is like I have to speak when I when I speak his words, I have to be loud enough for the audience to hear me. But in fact, <laughs> he was very quiet. Great. But it's fun, you know. I get to visit with him every time I do the show. And, and do you feel like? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that in an ooga booga way. Sure, I just, sure. Like, it's you know when you remember things that way, and I, I you know it's verbatim because I I wrote. I wrote down in my journal all of what our conversations were, and uh, gosh, it's really a great thing to have journals. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that. <laughs> you never know when you might turn your journals into a play, right? <laughs> yeah, and you and you re, and you can relive things. And that was Brooke Johnson telling us about Trudeau stories, which opens uh, yesterday. <laughs> it opened yesterday on November the ninth, and it runs nightly through until November the 13th. Uh, There will be one pay-what-you-can matinee on Saturday, November the 13th at 4 p.m. Tickets are $24 to $28 and are available uh, by going to phtheatre.org, as in Presentation House, phtheatre.org, or, of course, to citr.ca, where we have all of our features from this, uh, from today's show and links to the, the various event pages. Uh, and, uh, right, and I should add that Presentation House is in North Vancouver, four blocks from the C-Bus uh, terminal. Okay, so that's the end of our show Today, uh, next week's show will be all about FunDrive. FunDrive is the big fundraising push that CITR uh, has been doing for the last few years. It's been immensely helpful to our bottom line. Uh, Keep in mind that CITR is run entirely by volunteers, including myself. So every dollar that comes into the station goes toward um, equipment and programming and web doings and happenings and uh, help keep the station up and running. Every dollar goes toward that. So we would really appreciate your support um, throughout next week. The Fun Drive uh, 10-day festivities begin next uh, Tuesday and run uh, for 10 days. So so next week's Arts Report will uh, give you the scoop um, on some... We'll do a bit of of, uh, back... Patting uh, for some shows that have won awards, such as Cabaret Radio, uh, won uh, was was selected as as number three on the best best uh, radio show in Vancouver. So uh, we'll speak to them and uh, and other such things. We'll tell you about uh, closing night festivities for um, Fun Drive, which will include a night of '90s covers. So think of your favorite '90s song and you know get smashed uh, on that night and give us some money. <laughs> put it simply get smashed and give us some money uh okay so uh thanks for listening uh this show uh was brought to you by uh myself as well as simon genie nick elena and jasmine could not uh, have done it without them and cannot do it without them don't forget to subscribe to our podcast follow us on twitter you can get links to both of those things at citr.ca you're listening to um, 101.9 FM, and coming up next is Real to Real. See you next week.